Abundant Wellness with Andrea podcast, from surviving to thriving in mind, body, and spirit. Hey there, I'm Andrea Jones, registered nurse, functional hormone coach, inner healing and deliverance pastor, and most importantly, wife and mother of two beautiful girls. This podcast is really a conversation about how to discover and walk in an abundant life that God has laid out for us while processing what I call the messy middle, pain and overcoming things in our life that are hard in order to nurture all of the parts of you so that you can walk in abundant wellness in all areas. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Abundant Wellness Podcast. I am wrapping up this session or season or content topic on shame today. And today I'm actually going to be sharing my personal story of overcoming shame in regards to special needs parenting. So please strap in. Um, I know that we've been covering a lot of different topics over the last month, talking about infertility, infidelity, postpartum depression, anxiety. And, you know, of course, I can't not bring my own story into this because it's something that people don't talk about enough. And it's something that really would have helped me to have some language around what I was experiencing when we very abruptly out of nowhere became special needs parents. So, um, you know, that was not something that we ever saw coming. Um, I don't think any parent does, but as, you know, as a pediatric nurse, I worked, um, in the PICU, NICU, uh, general pediatric floor for in, in various departments for about 12 years. And so I was very adept at caring for special needs children, um, caring for their families. And that obviously gave me a certain capacity, um, when that hit our life. But what I was not prepared for was the isolation and the shame and, you know, the shame that just hit every angle of our life. It was not, you know, it was not just one area of our life. It was every single area of our life. So for those of you that maybe don't know the full story, we've done a couple episodes on um, our daughter's diagnosis that she, you know, she's now 12 and she's given us permission to share these things um, because it is in part her story as well. But in 2018, um, my daughter was, um, let's see, seven and a half. And everything's kind of a blur between now and then. And those of you that have special needs kiddos, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Life gets very busy, very fast. Um, anyways, she was um, diagnosed with pandas in um, in the spring, late spring, early summer of 2018. Um, pandas is pediatric autoimmune neuropsychiatric disorder from acute streptococcus. So this is different than PANS, which is pediatric autoimmune neuropsychiatric syndrome, um, which I quite frankly, think they should be called the same, but the syndrome just means it's every other virus or illness that causes the same presentation as pandas. So, um, so essentially what happens is through molecular mimicry, the strep bacteria molecules, um, the body recognizes them. And instead of attacking the strep molecules, it actually attacks uh, the basal ganglia in the brain and other regions of the brain as well. And it essentially creates an autoimmune encephalitis. So a swelling um, autoimmune attack on the brain. And so, um, and that molecular mimicry is essentially the cell's 
see that the brain cells look very similar to the strep bacteria, but, and it's misdirected. So it's a misdirected immune response. Um, we treated the strep appropriately. We were working with our physician on that. Um, you know, my daughter had a fever. She had all the symptoms. The symptoms went away in about two days. And then I noticed after that, that her pupils were extremely dilated. Um, they, you know, they did react to light. So I wasn't worried about that, but I, I was like, this is really abnormal. Um, how dilated her pupils are. Um, she began having meltdowns and rage and, um, I mean, sensory meltdowns that she had never had before. And so, and this was progressively getting worse, you know, anger, irritability, inflexibility, um, over everything, anything and everything, anything that was not as she thought it should be. And she was not this way as a child. She was my strong willed kid, but never like defiant, um, creative, fun, hilarious, and her mood completely changed. Um, she was unhappy all the time. Um, you know, trying to keep her out of trouble was it's just impossible. Um, you know, and, and the executive function declined, uh, very rapidly from there. So executive function is basically, this is not going to be the scientific term for, so for those of you that know more than I do about how to explain this, just give me grace for, uh, for using my own terminology with this, but executive function is essentially the ability of the brain to communicate with the body and, and follow through with tasks. So, um, so she very swiftly began to lose her executive function. Um, she would look at the clothes on the floor and not be able to make a choice on what clothes to wear. Um, she could not pair two socks together, whereas normally she had been able to do that before. She had to be reminded about everyday activities, uh, like brushing your teeth and changing your underwear and all of these things. If you can imagine that trying to get her ready and out the door for school was impossible. It was, I mean, I was just covered in sweat and tears most days um, because it was impossible. It was impossibly difficult. Um, and so we were very, very blessed, very lucky that we found a, uh, a local practitioner, a local physician um, that really specialized in behavioral health uh, concerns for children. And so I went to him immediately and I was like, I didn't even say what I thought it was because I really just wanted an unbiased opinion. But in my pediatric experience, I'd really only ever seen one child that was diagnosed with pandas. We know statistically that it's closer to one in 200 children that their behavioral health diagnoses is really a result of infection. Um, but uh, the research hasn't caught up to that yet. So I just said, Hey, like she got a strep infection and she has never been the same. Like, I, I don't know how to get my kid back. And, you know, he kind of had this like concerned look on his face and said, you know, we're going to do all the labs. Um, we're going to run all the tests, but I just want you to know that I, I think this is pandas. And I think that we need to get her as much help as we can very quickly. So we got started on a protocol and started working through all of, all of the things, right? We started doing all of the things and, um, you know, and I'll talk more about like the actual, like what things we did to kind of get her onto a path of healing. Um, but today's episode really isn't about, you know, our healing journey process. It's really about the shame that crept in, in the special needs parenting arena. And when I say that it hit every area of our life on every level. It's not an exaggeration. Um, we went from 
feeling confident as parents to feeling embarrassed because we could not control her. Uh, we couldn't, we didn't even know how to parent her anymore because the behavior was so erratic. It was so out of control. Um, it was so chaotic that it was literally just like managing chaos all day long. Um, and so my confidence, you know, the confidence that I had found in my ability to parent her was out the window. So I felt ashamed that I couldn't fix her. I felt ashamed that I couldn't change the diagnosis. I felt ashamed that I couldn't parent the behavior appropriately. There was no reward for, uh, for what I had been sewing in. You know what I mean? Like we get that reward for like, oh, I'm parenting this way. And I eventually see the fruit of that. There was no fruit of that. Um, we felt both my husband and I felt a lot of shame, you know, even from other people, because other people would come up to us and say, you know, um, well, have you tried spanking her? Well, have you tried X, Y, and Z? Well, have you read this book? And and when I say that we did all of it, I mean, we did all of it. Like we read every book, we worked with every specialist, we brought her to PT and OT and all of these different things. And still um, the reality was that the brain inflammation was so bad that those outside supports could not get into that place where the brain inflammation was. We really had to address the physiologic uh, brain inflammation to actually see any changes in behavior. And so, um, but there was a lot of shame for that. We stopped going out. We stopped taking her places with us because we were tired of the comments. We were tired of people in their well-meaningness um, really, uh, really adding shame to the picture. Um, nobody, when I say nobody, I mean, I had my closest friends, but outside of that, nobody asked how we were doing. Um, nobody asked if we needed help. Um, and so that was, you know, another element of shame because then you start to begin to believe, are we not worthy of love? Are we not worthy of being checked in on? Are we not worthy of, um, you know, being nurtured in this season where we are just all of a sudden drowning under the water, you know, we're just underwater all the time. Um, and so there was a lot of shame around that. Um, because people just, they don't understand unless they've lived it, you know? Um, and again, I can see the, the well-meaningness of it, but right. There was, there was kind of an element to that that was really painful. Um, and then there was the financial aspect of shame, which is, you know, is the debt that we all of a sudden, you know, we had been very good with our money up to that point and were thrown pretty swiftly into, you know, extreme medical debt. Um, because if you are a parent of a child with special needs, you will do anything to get them better. And especially because our child was not born this way. Um, she was born healthy. She developed appropriately. She was happy, thriving child. And then to overnight lose all of that was, uh, crushing in every single way. And so, but at the same time, it's like, we'll do whatever. If it means we go into debt because insurance won't cover it, then we're going to go into debt. We'll do whatever we have to do to get her back. But, but then there was that feeling of like, you know, we didn't manage our money well, or, um, you know, we should, you know, if we had just been better with our finances, then, you know, when logically that's not even true because anybody that has experienced the medical system understands it does not take much to get to that place where the debt is just overwhelming. Um, and all of the services that we uh, went after or that actually would help her, there was only one that was covered. 
Um, and so everything else we had to pay for out of pocket. And so that brings into the other element of having to deal with insurance and being denied because in every other area of your life, you feel like doors are slamming in your face. You feel like nobody can hear you. You're screaming at the top of your lungs and no one can hear what you need. And, um, I remember filling out, you know, crying and filling out the form for disability insurance and, kind of in disbelief, like, how are we here at this place of one, my child is neurologically disabled Two, uh, requiring assistance, because at that point, like, again, my husband's an electrician, I'm a nurse, we have really good jobs, right? And we can't, we can't cover this on our own, we can't do this. And uh, we were denied disability three times in spite of the evidence that showed that this was a neurologic insult to her brain, that this was a neurological disability. Um, we, quote unquote, made too much money, but they were not accounting for all of the expenses, right, of having to pay for all of this stuff out of pocket. So I get the social system and I get all of that. But there was this feeling, this deep feeling of shame of like, I can't even provide what's needed for my child to get better because the system, like we're locked into the system that, that isn't going to help us. And, um, yeah. And then again, you know, with that, it was that like, am I even worthy? Are we even worthy of being attended to because our life is a hot mess? And are we worthy of being loved through this? Because this wasn't our choice. We didn't invite this disaster into our life, right? We didn't invite the trauma. We didn't invite um, the devouring. We didn't invite the, the debt. We didn't invite the isolation. And yet it all just came in. And so it's very easy when these things happen to assign uh, meaning in, in a not good way, assign meaning in the sense of, like we derive meaning from those experiences. So that assigning of meaning is like, we must not be loved. We must not be cared for because, you know, all of these things are happening that are showing us like we're not worthy of friendship. You know, we had people leave relationships because um, they couldn't, they, we changed, honestly, like there's no way not to, when your life gets flipped upside down like that. And you are, it is all hands on deck 24 hours a day. There is no break. Um, and you know, when that happens, you do change and not everybody can come with you on that journey. And so I had to simultaneously give myself grace for the fact that I was different and couldn't show up as a friend. Um, in the way that I wanted to. And I also had to give grace to the people that couldn't show up and be my friend the way that I needed them to. But there was an element of shame in that, which was, again, you know, I'm not worthy of people sticking around. I'm not worthy of, of, of love, you know, and if people really loved us, like, wouldn't they, you know, come into the mess and just help us walk through it. Right. But that wasn't our reality. And so that added an element of shame, losing people, um, and for those of you that are listening, if you're hearing this and you're resonating with what I'm sharing with you, you know, the story doesn't end here. Like there is a restoration 
Um, but we had to fight for it. We had to fight for getting out of isolation. We had to fight for uh, getting services. We had to fight for reconciliation and relationships. And honestly, when you're in the middle of it and you're so underwater, you can't really fight for those things because you're just fighting to survive the storm that you're in. And so if you're in that storm, I just want to give you permission that there will come a time when you can fight for those things again. And it's okay if it's not now, because you're, you're taking care of the things that are the most important for you to take care of. Um, but I, I'm wanting to kind of highlight the different areas where shame really had a big impact and how, you know, I wasn't even aware of it at the time. I wasn't really even aware of it until maybe two years ago. And I'll share with you the encounter that I had with the Lord that really began to shift that for me. Um, but the other area that really impacted us was our marriage because my husband was working full-time. He was going to school part-time. My daughter is in the fight of her life to overcome this illness. I have a four-year-old at the time, three, three and a half, four. And, um, and I'm also, you know, running my business at the same time. And our marriage really began to struggle because truthfully, we grieved very differently. Um, I was very present in my emotions at the time. And part of that comes from the years of therapy and like trauma counseling that I had already done um, for walking through just my childhood of trauma and emotional abandonment and stuff like that. I already had that under my belt. My husband, this is probably the most traumatic experience of his life. Um, he didn't have those tools and he didn't have those skills. And so there was a period of time where I felt like I lost my partner and, and yet knowing that we didn't want for it to end there, you know? And so at a certain point, when I kind of got my head up from under the water, I remember saying, you know, we have to fight for this. Like we have to fight for our connection and we have to fight for being on the same team. You're grieving, I'm grieving, but we still have to fight to win this together. Otherwise we're not going to make it like we're not. And it was a very, very hard, painful conversation, but it ended up shifting how we showed up for each other and, and really how we communicated with each other, because truthfully, there were many times where we didn't have anything to give at the end of the day. And so how do you communicate that to your partner that you're valuable and I love you and I want to meet your needs, but I have nothing left. And we just learned to have really brave, honest conversations about that and just say, look, I, I want to be there for you, but I am so tapped out. I'm triggered from today. I need to recoup. Um, let's figure out a time where we can connect. Right. And it was that season that I would say actually built so much trust in our relationship with each other because it wasn't dependent on the roses and flowers and unicorns. It wasn't dependent on our life being good. It was being willing to be in the grit together and have grace for each other's process. You know, his grief process looks still looks very different than mine. Mine looks very different than his. Um, but there was an element, you know, of shame, like we're struggling and, you know, we're behaving in ways that like we never thought was in us. But the reality is, is that when you walk through suffering like that, the, the sheer amount of stress of it on a family is enough to pull people apart. And, um, you know, and not to mention like, you know, there was shame also in our parenting because we had to parent her very differently. I had to parent her. Like I would take care of a stroke victim or somebody with dementia. 
um, because the skills were just not there. And that was, that was extremely hard to be like, I can't parent her like other, other parents do. I can't even relate to half the struggles that like half of the struggles they're facing. I would hand, you know, I would trade for in a heartbeat, you know, over these things. And so, so, but the Lord really began to speak to me and there was a song that came out. I wish I could remember what it's called. It's by Carrie Job. I'll try to put it in the show notes. Um, it's your nature. That was the song. Um, you will restore the things that, you know, were lost, the things that were stolen. And I just began to weep. Uh, I began to weep and the Lord took me to that verse in Isaiah that talks about instead of your shame, you will have a double portion. And that was the first time that I recognized that there was this web of shame that had been woven around our story that had hit us in every single place imaginable. It hit us in our finances. It had hit us in our relationships. It hit us in our marriage. It hit us in our parenting, um, just every way possible, right? The entire story was covered in this filter of shame. And it wasn't until I really began to process that with the Lord and be like, oh, I do feel shame. I've partnered with shame because I feel so isolated. I feel so broken. I don't know how we are ever going to get out of this mess. And that in itself feels, you know, shameful. Um, You might even be feeling shame about your feelings towards God in that process of, you know, the, the whys and the questions we can't answer and the, you know, God, did you abandon me? Like, you know, anger at God. A lot of people feel ashamed of having normal human emotions when life gets so confusing that you don't understand it. And, um, and so the invitation that I would say with this is that I couldn't deny that I was feeling what I was feeling, but when I began to recognize that shame was painting a story that was keeping me in isolation, I had to deal with that because I refuse, I refused and I continue to refuse to let the enemy win. And I confuse, I refuse to let the enemy, um, discourage and really, uh, break apart um, a story that God was writing all along. And so now I can look back on that journey and see courage. I see a lot of courage. I see a lot of grit. I see a lot of tenacity. I see a lot of God showing up for us in impossible ways. Um, but I couldn't have done that without actually having processed all of the areas where I was believing lies about myself, where I was believing lies about my marriage, where I was believing lies about my parenting, Um, Even yesterday, the Lord said, Hey girl, you ready to let go of that shame? There's, there's some shame going on in how you feel about your parenting and we need to let go of that today. And so I just want to invite you, if that's you and you're feeling all of these things, you're not alone. Number one, Um, shame is probably one of the most isolating emotional experiences that anyone can have. And, um, And we're not meant to stay there. It is an emotional process that we really do need to walk out with the Lord. There are lies that we have to get rid of. There are fears that we have to get rid of. There's a lot that has to go. And, um, and if that's you and you are like, I I am ready to let that go, then I want to invite you to join the stop the shame cycle, three week immersive, uh, 
I don't really know what else to call it. It's an immersive experience. So, um, so essentially what, um, what is included in the stop the shame cycle is a 30 minute training where I'm going to actually walk you through the process that I use with my clients, um, to, um, to dismantle shame to invite Jesus into that place, to allow the Holy Spirit to come in and comfort you and break off anything um, that's keeping you stuck in that area. And really, that's going to be the springboard for you writing your self-compassion excuse me, your self-compassion story, which is now I can look back at myself and have so much compassion for the Andrea that had to walk through all of that, uh, just impossibility and just all of the yuck of it, all of it. Um, but it, it took a process of me being able to see myself that way. And it really was, you know, everything that I go through in that 30 minute training. Um, the other thing that you will, um, get in the stop the shame cycle training is actually this workbook, which is a downloadable workbook. And in that we go through the story of your emotions. So what are your emotions telling you right now? Um, connecting that with your body too, because we experience emotions in our body as well. Um, understanding the narrative of your emotions. So there's the shame narrative and the self-compassion narrative. It's really important to understand how shame is trying to talk to you as an individual so that we can move to that self-compassion narrative with the Holy Spirit. Um, identifying the emotions. We walk through how to identify the emotions and really where those belief systems came from. Um, because that, that's a huge piece of the process. And then the uh, shame assessment, which is really that web of shame that I was talking about that the Lord walked me through of, hey, this is where shame is, you know, has tried to weave a web around your life so that we could dismantle that thing. Um, and then exchanging the narrative. And this is where that three-week immersive experience, I'm actually walking you through this together. So I'm coaching you through it. I'm walking you through it. I'm praying you through it. I am, you know, interceding you through it and leading you to that breakthrough. So if you're listening and you want access to that, I'm going to drop the link below. Um, it's just 27 bucks and it will totally transform your life. So I want to encourage you to grab that. If you are a special needs parent and you are on the struggle bus and you need hope, um, I just want to release that hope to you that there is the a verse in Luke chapter one that really the Lord began to speak to me about. And it was where it says that the Holy Spirit, um, the Holy Spirit was hovering and, and um, was hovering with power over Mary when Jesus was inside, Jesus was inside of her and the Holy Spirit, I just want to encourage you is hovering over you with the power for the promise to bring the breakthrough. And so I just released that hope over you today. Um, thank you so much for listening and stay tuned for more episodes on this topic.